in it for themselves. They're doing this to bless people and to help you, Lord. So we're just so grateful for it. Now, sir, as we approach your word here today, we do so reverently. We trust that you'll speak to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, a good word of encouragement. And all of God's people that agreed with that real loud said, Amen. You may be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Mark the 6th chapter and the 45th verse. Mark the 6th chapter and the 45th verse. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. He sent the multitude away. And when he'd sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining, his disciples straining at rowing, for the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and would have passed them by. And would have passed them by. Think about this. The disciples are about to go under. They're in the middle of the sea, straining at rowing. And the, the boat was about to sink. And Jesus comes walking on the water. And it always interested me. And I read this years ago. And I wanted to find out why would Jesus have passed them by? Why would he have done it? Why would he have passed them by and just let them sink? Titling this message today. Don't let Jesus pass you by. Don't let Jesus pass you by. And to fully understand why Jesus would have passed his disciples by, you have to go back to Mark, the fourth chapter. You have to turn a couple chapters back and go to chapter 4 and verse 1. And you'll see, and I think it'll be very clear, why he would have passed them by. Now, before I read this, I want to tell you, and you need to learn this about God, that he'll never push himself off on anybody. You need to understand that. He's a perfect gentleman, and if you don't invite him, if you don't invite him in, if you don't invite him to help you, uh, he'll just let you sink. Because that's just the way he is. You need to invite him. He's a perfect gentleman. He won't come into your house unless you invite him in. You need to understand that about God. Perfect gentleman. He will not push himself off on anybody. Do you understand that? Have you ever had somebody knock at your door and you open the door and they walk right in without being invited? Have you ever had that? You know, that's kind of, kind of rude almost. Most people that have manners, what will they do when they knock on your door and you open it? They'll wait till you ask them to come in before they do. Is that right? And so you need to understand that about the Lord. He's just that way. But, but, but that's, not the, that's, that's not what I want to center in on here. There's a reason that he would have passed them by. And that's what I want to get to. Mark the fourth chapter in the first verse. Mark the fourth <laughs> chapter of the first verse. Notice this. Doing a flashback here. So we're going to leave the disciples about ready to sink. Jesus is about to pass them by. But let's hold there. Leave them in that situation. Let's move back to the fourth chapter. And see, see what was going on prior to this. Notice here in the first verse, and again he began to teach. Again Jesus began to teach. You need to realize that leading up to that 
situation where we've left the disciples about ready to sink, if you move back in time, they had sat under one of the greatest, not only one of, let's be accurate, the greatest teaching ministry that this world has ever known. The ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. They sat under his teaching ministry. You can't get under or sit under a better teaching ministry than the Lord Jesus. Is that correct? And so it says here in verse 1, he again, again, which indicates he'd been teaching actually prior to this. And so again, he's going to teach him by the sea and a great multitude was gathered to him so that he got into the boat and sat in, sat in the boat on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. And of course, he teaches them the parable of the sower in this case, the most basic parable and so on. But you need to skip down to verse 34. And notice, without a parable, he did not speak to them. And when they were alone, notice when they were alone, when his disciples were alone with him, notice what Jesus did. He explained all things to his disciples. Now it's, it's a good deal to get to hear Jesus teach. But it's an even better deal to get with him after the service. And sit with him alone. Perhaps back in the office or whatever. You know. And have him explain all things. Don't you think that would be a wonderful thing? So you see the disciples weren't just getting the teaching that Jesus was giving the multitude. They heard that all right. But then they got an in-depth explanation of these things privately. Do you see that? Now then, we go to Mark the fourth chapter here in the 35th verse. And we see the disciples in a similar situation. See, we left them over there in Mark 6 about ready to sink. But let's move back to here to chapter 4 and see that prior to the situation we left them in, they had gotten in a similar situation. Now notice here on, in verse 35, Mark 4:35. on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was and other little boats were also with him and a great windstorm arose. The waves beat in the boat so it was already filling. And, and he was in the stern asleep on a pillow and they awoke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and, this, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now notice here, similar situation that we left him in over in Mark 6. They're about ready to sink here. Do you agree with that? Do you see that? And Jesus is asleep, and they went and woke him up, and then, of course, he says, peace be still. But then notice in verse 40, he reprimands them. Clearly, as you study into this, he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Where is your faith? In other words, why didn't you use your faith? Did you know that they could have used their faith on that windstorm and stopped it just like Jesus? Do you understand that? Now, sometimes people, people think that, 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 that no, 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 they couldn't because Jesus, you know. How many of you know Jesus is the Son of God? He is God the Son. You understand that? But, but, but you have to also understand that, that as you study the ministry of Jesus, He expects us to take the faith that He's given us and use it. Do you understand that? You need to understand that. 
I think one, people, one reason that Christian, Christian people are defeated in life is they think that Jesus is going to do everything for them when he's already done everything he's going to do in so many instances and he's given us his word and his faith and he expects us to step up to the plate, stand on our own two feet and use his, his word and his faith that he's given us and, and stop the storm, run the devil off, so on and so forth. Can you say amen? I'll tell you so many times there's been storms headed this way here into the Fenton area over the many years. And those of you who have been with us any length of time will attest to it. And there's been times when the weather forecasters here in, the, in, in, in at, you know, Channel 2, 4, and 5, they put the bullseye on Fenton and, and, and the St. Louis area and that we're going to be destroyed and the, the tornado's coming through and we're going to be destroyed. And we've stood here more than once. Probably better than a half dozen times over the years. And, and you need to understand this. We didn't ask God to do anything about the storm. Not one thing at all. God's already done all that he's going to do about the storm. We spoke to the storm in the name of Jesus. Use the faith that he's given us. Use the authority that he's given us. We spoke to the storm. We spoke to the mountain in the name of Jesus. And again and again and again we've seen those storms dissipate. We've seen them break up. We've seen them move to the north, move to the south. But they've not come in through through. This area to destroy us. Can you say amen? And again and again, the newscasters are amazed. How could that possibly happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. We use the faith that Jesus gave us in his name and we do something about the storm. Can you say amen? But you see, they didn't do that. They'd been sitting and they'd been listening and listening and listening and listening and listening and getting the explanations behind the scene. And they're still not going to do. Jesus said, the works that I do, shall ye shall do also. Is that right? And greater works than these. Didn't he say that? I'm not putting myself on the same level with Jesus. No, not at all. He's God. He's the Son of God. You understand that? But he's given us his faith. He's given us his power and authority. And, 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 and they, could have done, they could have done something about that storm. And he says to them in verse 40, where is your faith? How is it that you have no faith? In other words, I'll put it in my own words. Why did you bother to wake me up? Why didn't you do something about it? But see, these disciples were hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing. But it's clear to me they're not going to do anything. Are you okay? Now having said that, we move to Mark the fifth chapter. And we see that Jesus sets the maniac of Gadara free of the legion of demons. I'll just mention that. You could read that if you wanted to. But the disciples were in on that. They saw a demoniac get freed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then if you move past that in Mark 5, you see the woman with the issue of blood, who had that issue of blood for 12 years, had suffered many things of many physicians, had spent all that she had, was nothing better but rather grew worse. When she heard of Jesus, she came in behind in the press and touched his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be made whole. Is that right? And she touched his clothes and immediately she was made well. How many of you remember that? Well, the disciples were standing right there watching the whole thing. And just prior to the woman with the issue of blood, there was a man named Jairus. And his daughter lay at the point of death. And he came to Jesus. How many remembers that? And said, my daughter's lying at the point of death. Will you come and do something? And Jesus is headed over to his house. The disciples were in on all that. And then, of course, you had the woman woman with the issue of blood. You know, I just quoted some of it to you. Uh, she uh, I- interrupted the situation. But after that all was done and she was healed, you know, she he, he's standing there. Jairus is standing there. Jesus is going to go over to his house. But then word came that the daughter was dead. How many remembers that? 
But of course, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid, only believe. And he took Peter, James and John and they went over to the house. And of course, once they got over to the house, they found a bunch of professional mourners out there boohooing, you know, and Jesus put them all out. How many of you know, sometimes you got to put doubt and unbelief out before you can get your faith to work. Do you understand that? And so he puts them out. He goes in and raises the little girl from the dead. Glory to God. And Peter and James and John were in on that. They saw that. See, they were right there. And then, if that's not enough, here in Mark, the sixth chapter in the fifth verse, Jesus had gone into his hometown of Nazareth. And uh, in verse five, it says he could, the Bible says he could do no mighty work there. Think about that. Jesus, the son of the living God. Anointed without measure by the Holy Ghost in his hometown, and he could there do no mighty work. Now, in other towns, he did mighty works. Mighty works, raising people from the dead, and, and issues of blood being healed, and so on and so forth. But here in his hometown, he could do no mighty work. Didn't say that he wouldn't do it, said he couldn't do it. One version says he tried to and he couldn't. Now, why is that? Verse 5 says he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their what? Unbelief. And, and of course, the disciples saw that. They saw they'd already been reprimanded and corrected by the Lord Jesus. And now they saw again firsthand that doubt and unbelief, you see, isn't going to get the job done. Doubt and unbelief won't, won't allow the power of God to work. Doubt and unbelief will not conduct the power of God. You understand that? You follow what I'm saying? And so Jesus went about, look at the end of verse 6. What does he do? He goes about the villages in a circuit doing what? Doing what? Teaching. teaching. So now have the disciples, are they going to hear more teaching? They're going to hear more teaching, aren't they? They're going to hear more teaching. Are they going to hear more teaching or not? Yes or no? Yes. They're going to get in on some more, on some more teaching. And then of course, if we move to, to Mark 6 here, verse 7. At this time, Jesus calls the twelve to himself and sends them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Pretty good deal, huh? He gave them power over unclean spirits. And in verse 12, the Bible says they went out and preached that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now, were they able to operate in the power of God and see the power of God work? Yes or no? Clearly, right there it is. If you doubted what I said a little bit ago, now you have it right there in the Bible. He gave them authority. He gave them power. And they went out and they used it. Is that right? Certainly it is. Certainly it is. And so if we move on past that, there was a multitude of 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And they had just a few loaves and a few fish. And Jesus fed the multitudes with the few loaves and a few fish. How many of you know that's a pretty mighty miracle, isn't it? And the disciples were right in there on that. They were right there as Jesus took the few loaves and the few fish and he raised them up to heaven and blessed them. And then he broke them and handed them to the disciples. And then the disciples handed them out to the multitude. And so the disciples had the miracle power of God. They saw it right in their hands. Do you see that? Do you see that? And so then that brings us right back to where we started in Mark, the sixth chapter. The disciples are out there. And we'll pick up again in Mark 6, 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. 
And he sent the multitude away. We read this just a moment ago. And when he sent them away, he departed to a mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have, and would have what? And would have what? And would have passed them by. Now we left him in, the, in this condition just a few minutes ago. Now, having said what I just said, and setting up for you what had happened prior to this, he would have passed them by. Now, it's interesting, verse 49, and when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled, but immediately he talked with them and said to them, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Then he went into the boat to them. And uh, the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed. They were greatly amazed. Isn't it interesting? They'd seen all that power and all the things that Jesus had done, and they're still greatly amazed. Beyond measure, the Bible says, and marveled, for they, and here it is. We got right to it right now, why he would have passed them by. For they did not understand about the loaves, because their what? Their heart was what? Was hardened. Now if you get right down to it. That's the reason he would have passed them by. Their heart. Was hardened. When you hear the word. And you hear the word. And you hear the word. And you see the power of God in operation. And and, and you, you hear the word. And you sit under the word. And you hear the word of God. But you never act on the word of God for yourself. You never rise up with these tracks and ever try to share Jesus with anybody or you never lay him somewhere like at the post office like I do so often or whatever the case. You hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word, you hear the word. You even see the power of God in operation at church. But you never do anything with it in your private life. In the process of time, your heart will become hardened. It's interesting if you read verse 52 in the King James Version. It says, for they considered not the miracle of the loaves. Did you know that it's possible to observe the supernatural power of God and it become commonplace to you to the point that you don't esteem it as you should? I've watched that happen over the years. If you don't consider the miracle and the power of God that he does. And certainly if you don't ever take the teaching that you've been that's been deposited in your hearts and you don't ever do anything with it. Eventually your heart will become hardened. Actually, the Amplified Bible, verse 52, says this, says it says this. Uh, It says their hearts had grown callous, had become dull and had lost the power of understanding. I don't know about you, but I don't want my heart to grow callous. I don't want my I don't want to become dull. I want to be a sharp Christian. I don't want to be a dull one. You know what I mean? And and, and when I say that, I don't mean I'm not talking about being the life of the party and telling jokes at the party. No, no, I'm talking about being an instrument whereby the power of God can flow through me to help other people, you see. 
And, and, and if all you do is hear the word of God and hear the word of God and hear the word of God, but you never act on it for yourself, you never put it into practice for yourself, guaranteed fact, you'll get to the point where you'll become dull, your heart will become dull, your spirit will become dull. And when that happens, you set yourself up for Jesus to pass you by. I'll say it another way. You set yourself up to miss out on all that God has for you. Did you hear what I just said? You set yourself up to miss out on all that God has for you. You see, Jesus expected them to put into practice what they had been taught. He expected them to stand on their own two feet. He expected them to put into practice what they'd been taught and use the faith that he deposited in them. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They'd heard the word, heard the word, heard the word, but yet they weren't standing on it. We just have one instance where he anointed them. They were able to go out and cast out demons and so on and so forth. But other than that, they're just continually uh, uh, listening and hearing, but they're really not doing And so I'm just teaching this message as as a wake-up call to all of us that let's don't just be hearers of the word, but let's be sure that we're doers of the word. You see what I'm saying? Because if all you do, I'm going to say it again, repetition is the seed of learning. If all you do is hear it, hear it, hear it, hear it, but you never put it into practice, you never do it in the process of time, you'll become dull. Your heart will grow dull and callous. And you will... As I said, get to a point where Jesus will pass you by. I'm not talking about losing salvation. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you'll miss out on all that God has for you. And I don't want to miss out on anything that God has for me. How about you? You know, and I feel impressed to say a little more about this. Did you know that you could be around the ministry of Jesus and sit under the ministry of Jesus and become dull in your heart? They did, didn't they? And I'm convinced because I I alluded alluded to this a moment ago and I want to reiterate it because I think it needs to be reiterated. that, That did you know that the move of God and the things of God can become commonplace to you? And they shouldn't, but they can. And I believe that's what happened to these guys. They had seen so much of the miraculous. They had seen so much of the the move of God that it had just become. They had heard so much good teaching. A lot of times folks don't realize what a good teacher, a pastor is until they sit under a pastor that's not a good teacher. Did you know that you don't. A lot of times people take things for granted. You know, it's real easy to take your wife for granted. It's real easy to take your husband for granted. Did you know that? I tell you what, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. In the last couple of weeks, I've had an attack on my lower back. And, 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 and I tell you what, I, I, I used to, I, you don't realize how much you need your lower back. I said, you don't realize how much you need it. See, you can take things for granted until, until it's not working as it should, you know. Did you hear me? 
But all we have to do to shut you down is just just give you a little 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 tweak there in the lower back where that that one of them lumbars is, isn't working as it should. And I tell you what, you'll be on your bed, flat of your back. You'll be able to, hardly able to get out of bed and operate. See, it's real easy to take things for granted. Did you hear me? Until there's something there that you all that was always there, but then it's not there anymore. You understand what I'm saying? It's a shame that we don't, uh, it's a shame that we have to lose things lots of times before we, we realize how important those things are. I thank God he's healed my back. I'm doing just fine. Can you say amen? I think about this man in the Old Testament. His name was Asaph. He worked under King David. He was a worship leader in the Old Testament. And he was in charge of the worship. And uh, he had gotten in trouble. And the Bible says in one of the Psalms that he records that he laid on his bed in the midnight hour and he was troubled and, and, and was looking for answers but, but couldn't get any. And he was having trouble in his life. And when you study into that man and you get right down to it, the reason Asaph was have, having all the trouble is because, see, he worked as a worship leader. He worked in the temple and he was around the presence of God all the time. But did you know you can be around the presence of God and not really be in, the, be in it and take advantage of it as you should? And it can become commonplace to you. It shouldn't, but it, but it can happen. Why am I teaching this, this to you? Just to give you a wake-up call to warn you, don't let that happen to you. And the disciples, they were around it all the time, seeing people raised from the dead, blind eyes open, ears, deaf ears unstopped, people who couldn't talk, uh, talking maimed people who couldn't walk, Jesus healing them left and right. Uh, now, you see, I would think that that could never become commonplace. But it did. I know in this ministry over the years, back, back when we first started, I, I'm just talking about people over 20 years time. I'm not even talking about any of you, but just people over 20 years time. When God started healing people in this ministry and over the last 20 some odd years, we've seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people healed. When God first started healing people in this ministry, I, I mean, people would be jumping up and down, excited. Woo-hoo, ha-ha-ha, hallelujah, praise God. How many of you know when God heals somebody, we ought to be jumping up and down and giving praise to God? Is that right? But you can see that week in and week out and week in and week out and week in and week out like we have. And that can become commonplace to you. I don't think we ought to ever go back to our house and tell our neighbors, what happened at church today? Oh, somebody got healed, their back got healed. What's on, what are we having for lunch? No, I think we ought to, they ask us what happened at church. Praise God, glory to God. The power of God was in manifestation and God healed somebody. Woo, glory to God. Can you say amen? See, see, but, but I'm just trying to tell you that, 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 that we can become, we can become dull. It's so easy to become dull. Do you know what I mean by that? It's so easy to have that heart calloused over. And what's even worse than that is you go home and somebody says, well, what happened at church today? Well, three people got saved. What's for lunch? No, we ought to be dancing on the streets when one person gets saved. I mean, we we should never take the greatest miracle of all, the new birth. And when that happens, we ought to be jumping up and down, doing back somersaults down the sidewalk. Can you say amen? But see, when you're not doing that, then you're going to get to a point where you're not going to see the move of God uh, the way, to the full the way He wants it. You have to esteem the presence of God. 
If God is not appreciated, he, he, he tends not to move in, in, in an area where he's not appreciated. Did you hear what I just said? And then in Mark 6.52, the Living Bible, we don't have it on the screen, but it, it says this. You can look it up later on your computer or whatever. But it says this. One of the reasons he would have passed him by, they still didn't realize who he was. At this point, they still didn't realize who he was. Friends, we need to realize who we're dealing with. We're dealing with the Son of God. We're dealing with Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. Uh, He is to be praised. He is to be adored. He is to be worshipped. He is the Most High. There is none like Him in heaven and in earth. Can you say amen? Amen. But I'm telling you, if you don't realize who Jesus is, you'll set yourself up to be passed by. I don't know about you, but I don't want to let Jesus pass me by. Huh? Now, I just want to take a few moments here, just a few moments, just a couple of minutes, and note some people who didn't let Jesus pass them by. Go to Mark 5. We're going to do this real quick. I'm going to read quick. Can you listen quick? Mark, the fifth chapter and the 22nd verse. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet, begging him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. And Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years, suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she had, was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body she was healed of that affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you said, who touched me? And he looked around to see who, her, who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, daughter, your your what? Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. You see, this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, suffered all those things, spent all that she had. And she heard that Jesus was passing by. And bless God, she said, if I may touch his clothes, I shall be whole. She wasn't going to let Jesus pass her by. And she went out there. It was against the law to be out there. But she went out there nonetheless. And she, I tell you what, desperate people do desperate things. And she went out in that crowd and she refused to let Jesus pass her by. And and she went out and got a piece of that action, praise God. She grabbed the hem of his garment immediately when she touched him in faith. See, that's the key. A lot of people touching Jesus and not getting anything. Why is that? Because they don't touch him in faith. You need to reach out and touch him in faith. And when you touch Jesus in faith, every single time the power of God will flow. And it will heal you every single time. Can you say amen? amen? So she didn't let Jesus pass her by. And then, of course, you see in verse 35, while he, Jesus, was still speaking, some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house and said, Your daughter's dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Don't be afraid. Only what? Only what? Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and came to the house. The ruler of the synagogue saw tumult, weeping and wailing loudly. He comes in. He says to them, Why are you making this commotion and weep? The child's not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. 
Have you ever been ridiculed? Well, if you have, you're in good company. Jesus has been ridiculed. One version says they laughed him to scorn. Have you ever been laughed to scorn? I know I have. I'm in good company. Jesus has been laughed to scorn. But when he put them all outside, remember what I said a while ago? Sometimes you've got to put doubt and unbelief out to get the faith to flow. Praise God. He took the father and the mother and the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was laying. He took the child by the hand and said to her, Talakumni, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. Glory to God. Can you say amen? We ought to get real excited about right there. Glory to God. For she was 12 years of age and they over and they were overcame with amazement. See, Jairus could have let Jesus pass him by. He could have let Jesus just go right on down the road. But his little daughter needed help. She came, He came on behalf of the little girl and then word comes the daughter's dead and he still didn't give up. Can you say amen? He wasn't going to let Jesus go and Jesus came and didn't pass him by. Why didn't Jesus pass him by? Because Jairus was not going to let it happen. Can you say amen? Glory to God. And then you go to Mark 7 and verse 25. Now I'm speaking fast, but can you listen fast? Praise God. Look at Mark 7 verse 25. Talking about the Syrophoenician woman. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek Syrophoenician by birth. She kept asking him and asking, asking him to cast a demon out of her daughter. Now, if you read it over in Matthew's account, we won't turn there, but you ought to look at it sometime. Jesus was not even speaking to her. He wasn't responding. And she kept on asking. Jesus was passing by. Her daughter needs help. Her daughter is demon-possessed. She comes to Jesus. He's passing by. She grabs a hold of him, so to speak. And he, Matthew says he's not even, he's not even responding. Finally, in verse 27, Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first, for it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to little dogs. Jesus just called her daughter a little dog. I wonder how many people would have been offended and walked off mad. And you know what? Jesus wouldn't have done anything. He'd have just went right on his way. Because Jesus is going to do the will of the Father, whether you and I go along with it or not. Did you hear me? But I like this woman. She didn't get offended. And she answers him in verse 28 and says, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. For then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. Can you say amen? amen. She was not going to let Jesus pass her by. She refused to let Jesus pass her by. She had a million and one reasons to let him go. But she didn't. And she hung on to him, so to speak. And she got all that God had for her. Glory to God. And then in Mark, the 10th chapter, in the 46th verse... Mark 10, 46, they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho. As Jesus went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side, by the roadside, begging. See, he's a blind beggar. And when he'd heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out all the more and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. Then many warned him to be quiet. Warned him to be quiet. See, here's a blind man, a blind beggar, been blind Long time, begging, and he hears Jesus is going by, Jesus is passing by. Is he going to let Jesus pass him by or not? 
See, it wasn't up to Jesus. It was up to Bartimaeus. And he's crying out. He's crying out. He's crying out. But, of course, people, when you start crying out, get a little loud for God. A lot of times people, particularly religious people, they'll try to shut you up. You have to be dignified. You have to be quiet. No, you don't have to be quiet. Sometimes you need to make a little noise. Did you hear what I just said? And they warned him, be quiet, be quiet, Bartimaeus, be quiet, Jesus is passing by. You be quiet, shh, hush, be quiet, be quiet, Jesus is passing by. But you see, Bartimaeus had the perspective, yeah, Jesus is passing by, and none of, none of the rest of you are able to help me. I need to get a hold of somebody that can help me, bless God. And I like, I like this next part. They warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more. In other words, when they told him to hush and be quiet, he just got more loud. Can you say amen? And he cried out all the more. He said, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he cried out, Jesus passing by, and he cries out, and he cries out, and he cries out. And I like verse 49, so Jesus stood still. I want to be the kind of person that causes Jesus to stand still. Just stop them right in his tracks. That's what faith will do. I tell you what, if you'll cry out to God in faith, it'll stop him right in his tracks. And he'll turn to look at you and find out what it is you need. And he's got more than ample power to help you. Can you say amen? He stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man said to him, be a good cheer. Rise, he's calling you and throwing aside the garment. That was his license to beg, and he threw it aside. He rose, and he came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith. See, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. Can you say amen? See, he refused to let Jesus pass him by, and as a result, he got all that he had That God had for him to get. Can you say amen? And I like something else. After he got what he needed, he continued to follow Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people I've met over the years. They want to come to God just to get whatever it is they need. And then they want to go back to doing whatever it is they was doing before they came to God to get what they needed. I preached a message one time. We're saved to serve. You see, there's a lot of people, you see, they'll want to just go about their life doing their own thing. And the only time they have time for God is when they need something, you see. And then they'll find time for him because, you see, they need him. And then they'll come to him and bless God. Isn't Jesus, you know, he's compassionate. Isn't he good? Say, Jesus is good. How many of you know he didn't let his disciples sink, did he? He's good, and he came up there, and he delivered them. And Jesus is good, and he's compassionate, and he's wonderful, and I love him because of it. How about you? And even when we're undeserving, and even when he ought to let us sink, if we'll just cry out to him, he won't let us sink. You know why? Because he's just good. Can you say amen? But having said that, I've met people over the years, they don't have time for God. But yet something goes wrong, now they'll have time for God. And they'll come to him, and they'll want to receive something from him. But then they want to go right back to the soap opera and the potato chips. And I'm telling you what, if you go back to the soap opera and the potato chips and laying on the sofa doing your own thing, I'm telling you what, you're going to lose what God gave you. No, don't go back to that. Continue to serve him like Bartimaeus and continue to follow him. You know how many people receive from the Lord, and they continue to serve him. They continue to follow him. When we receive something from Jesus, we need to love him enough to go right on and keep serving him. Can you say amen? Glory to God. 
But Bartimaeus wasn't going to let him pass him by. I'm going to close with one who did. Right here in Mark 10, verse 17. We'll close with this. Now as Jesus was going out of the road, one came running, knelt before him and said, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? First mistake this guy made. This is known as a rich young ruler. He saw Jesus only as a good teacher and not as the son of the living God. Remember, said to you all ago there, from Mark, the sixth chapter, you know, they still, his disciples still, still didn't really realize fully who he was. If you don't fully realize who Jesus is, you set yourself up to be passed by. And if you just see Jesus as a good teacher, you're setting yourself up to be passed by. He's more than a good teacher. He's the son of the living God. God manifest in the flesh. He said, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one's good but one that is God. See, Jesus was addressing that there. He saw him as a good teacher. You have to see Jesus as God. And then he says to him in verse 19, you know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, this rich young ruler said to him, teacher. See, he's still calling him teacher. Not calling him Lord. Call him teacher. And Jesus is a good teacher. He is a great teacher, but he's more than that. He's the son of God. Teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. So he's trying to tell Jesus, I've, I've kept all the commandments. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, one thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor, you'll have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. See, this young man essentially told Jesus, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus lovingly pointed out to him that he hadn't even kept the first commandment, which is you'll have no other gods before me. And money was this young man's God. And that's why Jesus said what he said to him. Yeah, he thought he'd kept all the commandments. And Jesus was lovingly pointing out to him he hadn't even kept the first one. And he was sad at that word. And he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. I like to say it this way. Great possessions had him. There's nothing wrong with having possessions. But what's wrong is when possessions have you. You know how you can tell if a possession has you? If you can't turn loose of it. And this young man let Jesus pass him by. We have no record that he ever... Repented, we have no record that he ever came to Jesus. As far as we know, he died without Christ and went to hell. There's no money, there's no nothing worth going to hell over. And he let Jesus pass him by. I want to lovingly say to you today, don't let Jesus pass you by. Stand with me, if you would, in the presence of a holy God. My assistant is going to come and close up the 